We're starting a new sermon series. I don't know what your name, the, the name of it is. Is what? Stand. Stand. And this is really cool, isn't it? I had no idea when they started with this. Like all, I came in the other day and we just said tan. And I said tan? So we went to tan under the S-O-N, right? We'll just get a good tan. And then I came in and it just said tanned. And then this morning I walk in and it says stand. So I'm glad that they finished it and got the S up there. So because we're going to, this series, I did a series on stand and I, I look back, I didn't even realize that I'd done a series on stand back in 2015, but it wasn't even anything like what the Lord's laid on my heart to this, the, this next series. So we're going to do stand. And so God gave me a little, he gave me some words for stand and I'm just going to share it with you. He says, uh, and I know it could be put to music and I could rap it, but I don't want to put, <laughs> you can stand up, you can stand down and you can stand apart. You can stand tall, you can stand with, and you can stand in all. You can stand beside, stand corrected, and you can stand around, and you can stand in, stand still, and you can stand down. You can stand on the Word, you can stand in faith, you can stand on your own two feet. You can stand guard, stand firm, you can even stand at ease. You can stand on your head, stand to reason, and you can stand against. Stand before, stand pat, you might even stand a chance. So stand on the promises, stand on the truth. In Christ, you can stand strong and always remember with the Lord, you will never have to stand alone. Amen? Amen. So you might say, where, where, did, where, did, I, where did this stand thing come from? Uh, I was watching a reel one day, and uh, I saw this reel come by, and it's by Sammy, uh, Pastor Sammy Rodriguez. And, man, it just got all over me. Just go, anybody ever do that? Something you just watch or you hear, just like, bang, that's, that's exactly what God's put in my heart. And y'all know my heart and, and what we've been preaching in the last several weeks about how we get free from all these things. I, 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 be one, I want us to be known as a church that stands. And standing doesn't mean just what I'm doing here physically or what you just did when you stood. That's just a physical uh, expression, but standing is what is in your heart. It's the conviction of your heart. We started out our service. The battle belongs to the Lord, and we battle on our knees. But when you battle on your knees, you're standing. You understand that? Get that? Understand? <laughs> but that's what we do. It's the conviction of your heart. It's what you're willing to lay down for. It's what you're willing to die for. It's your convictions. It's what you're willing to stand for when everybody else says, don't stand for that. You'll get in trouble for that. And we've been standing on the Word of God since we began this work, and we're not going to change because the Word of God doesn't change. Well, God doesn't change. But you know, mankind is trying to change all of that. Did you know there are new Bibles that are coming out that they've changed the wording to take out uh, scriptures about the blood, about fasting, about prayer, all these things. They want to make it more palatable for all of us. But listen, the Word of God stands on its own. And we've got to stand on the Word of God, church. You know, I grew up with the old hymns. Stand up. Stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Y'all remember that? Lift high the royal banner. I mean, those songs are classics. And I don't know that we, we need some more songs like that, but we're, we're trying to sing songs. This, this, this series, we're trying, let, we, need, we need to know that we've got to stand. I remember that, uh, standing on the promises of Christ my King, through eternal ages let His praises ring. Glory in the highest, I will shout and sing. Ah, oh, see, some of y'all are old. I know that. You know it. 
You go ahead and read those lyrics, though. Those, those words are good. They are good. Ah. What are you willing to stand up for, church? What are, you, are, are you willing to go to the board meetings, the school board meetings, and say, no, not in our schools? We're not allowing that trash in our schools. Are you willing to stand up on your job when everybody else is around the, the water cooler and they're telling the dirty jokes? Are you willing to stand up and say, you know what? That is not appropriate in the workplace. It's not appropriate anywhere matters of, as a matter of fact. Are you willing to take a stand? Are you willing to take a stand when that person starts using language that offends you and you say, you can just sit there, well, that's okay, I know that they don't know Jesus. Or do you, are you willing to stand up and say, you know what, that is not appropriate language, I don't care where you're at. You know, we need to, we need to understand, when he said we need to stand outside the church, he's talking about wherever you're planted to stand. So this, uh, this, this sermon series is based on Ephesians t- uh, 6, 10 through 20. That's the, wa- the warfare that's putting on the armor. And I know many of you know that. So we're going we're gonna to begin today for, with Ephesians 6. And I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version. And I know that I did. I looked ahead. So we can have, actually have church till 3 o'clock. But the Cowboys don't play till 325. <laughs> and most of you don't care about the Texans anyway, right? Because they're like, oh, man, they're already owing forever. Uh, So if you have your Bibles, turn there and we'll start reading. Finally, my brethren. Now, when you see the word finally, when Paul writes finally, that means listen up. I've said a lot of things, and Ephesians is one of the most incredible books in the Bible. How many of you just love Ephesians? So many just wonderful, uh, practical, and and spiritual helps in that that book, in that letter. And, And he says, but finally, finally, I want to get something. You need to get this, church, finally. He says, my brethren, he's talking to the church, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand, say to stand, against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So when you read that, you go, wow, that's just a lot of different kind of devils. But just understand this is the demonic realm, okay? That simplifies it. It's the demonic realm. It's a spiritually demonic realm. Therefore, say therefore. Therefore. I remember an old pastor friend of mine said, if it says therefore, you need to see what it's there for, okay? Therefore, take up the whole armor. How much of the armor? The whole armor of God that you may be able to, here's that stand word again. It says withstand. Say withstand. In the evil day, and having done all to stand. So the, the title of my sermon today is Having Done All. Sometimes we just think God's going to do it all, and he's done, he's done everything that he's supposed to do, but then he tells us to do some things. And so he says, after, you're, after you've done all, then you stand. He says, after you've done everything you're, that I've called you to do, I've purposed you to do, I've given you instructions to do, after you've done all these things, Harold, then you stand. And sometimes we do all those things and then we want to go, whoa, I'm going to fight now. And he says, no, I want you to stand. Put the armor of God on and stand against the what? The schemes and the, the, all these things that the devil's going to throw at us. So before we get into what the armor of God is, and that's probably going to be next week, the specifics of the armor of God, because they deserve a sermon of their own, because each part of that armor is so special. 
It's so important. So I want you to go ahead and read ahead this week. Go back and read Ephesians. Go read from Ephesians 1 to the end. It won't take you long, but read it all and do some study on it. How many of you know it's real easy to study the Bible now if you've got the internet and you've got commentaries and God can, he can show you some things, but the most important thing is that you ask Holy Spirit to show you what he wants to teach you as you read Ephesians this week. Because all these sermons are going to be coming out of this, this passage, okay? So I want to encourage you to do that. Talking about the armor of God. But see, before we can put on the armor of God, we've got to know whose armor we're wearing. We've got to know who we are standing with. You can, you can actually... Oh, I'm, I know the armor of God, Pastor. It's the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of peace, it's the sword of the Spirit, it's, it's uh, the shield of faith, and it's, it's prayer. And it's all, I know all the armor. And, and sometimes we can get in such a mode that we just know these things that we don't acknowledge what they really are in our life. We don't really sit down and concentrate and, and really put that armor on. I, I've heard somebody this week, was it Deborah Huntsucker? She says she actually visualizes. Is this true? Or you were lying in the intercessory group, were you? She actually visualizes putting on the armor of God when she puts on the armor of God. She puts it on. You don't have like a physical helmet and stuff, right? You do? Oh, you really put up. Okay, that's cool. Will you bring it next week? Okay, cool. I thought you were kidding. Is she telling the truth, Tammy? You don't know. Ephesians 3.20 says this. Now to him who is able to, exceeding, to do exceedingly abundantly. Say exceedingly. Exceeding. Abundantly. abundantly. Above. above. Isn't that cool? He didn't just give you one adjective. Uh, above all that we ask or think, and I like one translation says imagine. According to what? The power that works in us. The power that works in us, he says, to him be the glory in the church by Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. So we know that what we do is in the power of his might, not in our strength. If we try it in our strength, guess what we do? We fail miserably. How many of you know we get in our flesh? Anybody here ever get in your flesh? Like yesterday. Yeah, sure. Uh, the hands come down like, oh, no, it's right before church, Pastor. I don't get in the, I don't get in the flesh on the Sabbath. All right. But we get in our flesh. We sometimes we even put the armor on in our flesh because we're really not acknowledging that God, the Spirit of God, lives in us and reigns in us. And then He moves in us and flows through us. It's in Him we move and we have our being. It's in Him. Jesus, He said in, in John 17, it's Christ in us and us in Him. I, really, I can't even explain that. You know, it doesn't even make sense. How does this all happen? But it's the wonder that my wife is talking about. He fills us with the Spirit of God. And, he, and when we stand, we stand in His power and His strength, not our own. And the more that we acknowledge it's Him and not us, the better we will be in our fight against the enemy. Amen? Amen? Amen. 1 Corinthians 3.11 says this, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. So when we are putting on the armor, we've got to know whose armor we're putting on and why we're putting it on and how, and how it affects our life and how it changes our life and how it gives us the strength through the power of the, His might to fight the battles that we fight. He, the thing about it is we are in a battle. We are in a battle. The, the awesome thing about it is, though, the, the war has already been won. Oh, that was exciting. 
I mean, we win. Read the book. Read the Revelation. We win in the end. So we got to know that we're winners no matter what we're facing, no matter how many times we fail. We're still on the winning team. You know, you can go out and, well, we, we win. You know, I've, I've never been in the military. I, I was, had a draft number back when, when Vietnam was going on. I was just out of high school. And I, I got one of those numbers. And I was like, oh, oh, man, I'm not so sure I want to do this. And yet I got one of those mid, mid numbers, you know. And then I thought, okay, whatever, whatever happens, happens. And uh, about that time, the, the war ended. And I didn't enter the military. But I, got, I thought I was getting really close to going and, and signing up. But here's, here's the thing about the military, and, and correct me if I'm wrong later, because <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know people that have been in the military, uh, that when the first day that you get off the bus and you go to boot camp, they probably don't give you all the stuff that you're going to use, like your gun and all that stuff, right? Because they want to train you first. But I know this, if you sign up, I've heard that you sign, when you sign up, you say, I'm willing to lay down my life for my country. Right? Is that right, Chip? You, you actually sign and say, I'm, I'm committed. I'm all in. And so then you, you, you begin the training process in the military. And, and when, you, when you're committed to that, then you go into the training. And as, as far as I know, uh, when you start training, then you work every, your way up, and then they give you certain things, give you certain responsibilities, and they finally give you a weapon. And then I know that if you, they give you a weapon, uh, and I've seen the movies, they, they, they teach you how to take it apart and put it back together. Is that true? Okay. They teach you warfare. They, they, teach, they teach you what to do and how to do it. But it takes, it takes a while for you to get to that place. And so many Christians, we, we, we baptize Christians and we throw them out into the world and we go, uh, get after it. Go put the armor of God on, you're good to go. And we don't disciple them and train them up. And if you're here and you're a baby Christian, please don't use the excuse that we don't train you if you're not willing to come to training. This is just one part of the training this morning. We have training all through the week. We have helps all the time. If you need deliverance, you can get deliverance. If you need to plug in, if your marriage is on the rocks, you can get on the marriage on the rock. I mean, there's so many helps that we can give you. We have men's Bible studies, women's Bible studies. And we have like 30, 35, sometimes we have 15 men. And listen, we have these studies, we have these, these groups, and yet they should be filled up with guys saying, I want to learn, I want to be trained. So when I put the armor of God and I go out there, I'm victorious in Jesus' name. So quit using those excuses. Well, I just, I don't know how to grow. Well, I'm giving you some ex- examples right here this morning how to grow. Don't think you can get it all on Sunday morning, guys. Even if we did go to 3 o'clock, that wouldn't be enough. He wouldn't really, would he? <laughs> so my first question this morning And it's the most important question. Are you in Christ? Is Christ in you? Have you been born again? Have you surrendered your life to Jesus? Have you made him Lord of your life? I'm not talking about, oh, I got saved. I'm going to heaven when I die. I'm talking about making him Lord of your life. Because if you're not in that place, 
You can, you can call out on that armor all day long, but if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it won't do anything for you because you're not in Christ. You're not in the power of His might. So that's, that's my question this morning. If you're sitting here and you really are not sure about your salvation. Oh, Pastor, I, I, I got saved when I was nine years old. How's your life look now if you're 49 years old? Have you seen a progression of life, of, of maturing in your faith and walking out your salvation? Have you seen victories in your life? I know there are failures. I know we, we mess up. But have you seen some victories in your life? Have you, have you noticed that God shows up in your life because you're a child of His? Because if you haven't, if you don't have experienced His presence, if you stand up and worship on a Sunday morning, it means nothing to you. You need to get your life in order. You need to give your life to Jesus Christ. And quit being embarrassed or thinking, well, you know, people will, they'll, they'll think funny things about me if I went up to get saved because I've been acting like and pretending I've been saved a long time. Well, it's time to stop pretending. It's time to get the real thing in your life. Romans 8, 16 says this, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. You wonder why I don't, I'm not sure I'm saved. Well, if you're not sure you're saved, you're probably not saved. Because the Spirit of God bears witness with your spirit. Even when you mess up, even when you backslide. Do you know what I'm talking about, church? Even when you backslide and you go into a dark place and you're going to sin, but you know that God still, He's speaking to you. He's talking to you. He's calling you back. He said, no, 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 my child. Quit doing that. Stop doing that. Come back to me. And there are prodigals. We call back prodigals all the time. Prodigals that loved the Lord at one time, but they got caught up in sin. They got caught up in failure. They caught up in disappointment. And the enemy started winning battle after battle after battle after battle after battle because we didn't know how to put the armor of God on. We call him back. We call him. We sing about it this morning, the prodigals. He's a God for the prodigals. But maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're just numb to the Holy Spirit. You don't hear anything. You don't feel anything. And God's saying today's your day to get saved for reals. Today's your day to get in the baptismal waters or next Sunday, whenever. To get in the baptismal waters and make a real commitment to God and quit pretending to be a, a, a part-time Christian. You know what? That's the most dangerous place to be. Wishy-washy. One day you're serving him, the next day you're serving the devil. This is serious stuff. This is life and death. You know that. It's life and death. You wouldn't know how to take a stand if it bit you in the face. <laughs> because there's no conviction there. No conviction. Because you haven't, you haven't made him Lord of your life. You know, when it comes to sports, I think of a catcher in baseball or a goalie in hockey. I was trying to think of the, the, the ones that are armored up the most. I don't watch hockey, so I've seen enough of to know that dude is covered up. You can't even recognize him. He's like being one big fluffy doll, you know, just like, I don't even know how they stop a puck. You ever see that? They're like, the puck's going, I got it, <laughs> I got it. And they're just like, I don't know how they move in that outfit. But they're protected because that puck is coming about 200 miles an hour and it can knock your head off. 
It could choke. It could just damage you. So they're armored up. Uh, baseball catchers, man, they've got everything covered. And, and men, the, the things that aren't covered, if they do get hit, oh, they're in trouble. You know? But they, 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 they're armored up. When they, and they, they don't, listen, they wouldn't think of going in, into a game not having their proper protection on. You see football players run out onto the field. Do you see any of them running out there with just their jock strap on? Uh, son, I think you better get back to the locker room. They will hurt you out here. <laughs> They're armored up. And we see it in the natural, but we as believers, we need to be armored up. Because we have an enemy. And Jesus says to the Apostle Paul, I want you to put on the whole armor, the complete armor. And then after you do all of that, stand. And the Apostle Paul doesn't say to start fighting, does he? No, he says stand. Stand against the wiles or the schemes of the devil. We have an enemy. He has a lot of names. He has a lot of names. Beelzebub. I always like Beelzebub. <laughs> Lucifer, Satan, the devil, the evil one. He's got all sorts of names. And the Bible says that we need to be aware of him. 1 Peter 5, 8, Peter says this, Be sober, say sober. sober. Be vigilant, say vigilant. vigilant. Because your adversary, that's the devil, he walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. That word may is very important, say may. Because he has to have permission to devour you. And guess who gives him permission? You do. I do. He can't just come and do what he wants to. Listen, if the devil could kill everybody he wanted to kill, everybody, we'd all be dead. But God's protected us. How many, how many of you have had near-death experiences? Oh, my goodness. Wow. Wow. You mean if the devil had won, we would be about a third of the congregation? Raise your hands again. I want y'all to look around. How many of you have had near-death experiences? Oh, look, look around. Look, oh, my goodness. That's more than two-thirds. That's three-fourths. Because I know I've had them. Guess what? He wants to, he says in, the, it says in John 10, 10, he came to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to destroy. And listen, if he can't kill you, unless God allows him to, but he wants to destroy your witness. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to steal, rob you of your testimony. That's what he's after. You know, some people say, why does the devil want to come after Christians? Because we affect other people. We have a witness. We are the ones called to be ambassadors of Christ to go out and win the lost. And so if he can destroy our testimony and get us to go back to the, the stuff, the old man stuff, the old woman stuff, the drugs, the, the whatever it is, the ugliness of our past, if he can get us to go back there, then he's won a victory. He's won a battle. And our, our testimony is no good. And you need to come to Jesus. <laughs> You need to come to Jesus. I, I, what's wrong with you? I, oh, this is that a little bit of a drink. Oh, you serve Jesus. Yeah, he's awesome, man. The devil is not your friend. Look at your neighbor and say, the devil's not your friend. Some people act like he is. Some Christians act like he is. He's our opponent. He's our enemy. He wants to kill us and steal our joy and rob us of everything we've got. We are not to be afraid of him. 
But we're also not to take him lightly. I, I've seen, I've heard the sayings, and some of you might have done this. Oh, devil, come on, devil, get it. Give me your best shot. Stop doing that. Because he will knock you three ways into tomorrow. Because you don't have your armor on. And he'll, he'll, he'll do it when, when you're not ready. When you're not, on, when you're not on watch, when you're not on guard. So quit challenging him. He is evil. Why do you want to even mess with him? Why do you even want to get near him? No. Run. Get away from him. Be sober. Be vigilant. What does that suggest? Because he's, he's roaming around seeking whom he made of our... That mean, to me, that suggests this. If you are not sober, if you are not vigilant... That old lion's going to come and bite you. He didn't, he didn't just say, be sober and be vigilant and be on alert. No, he says, if you're not, the opposite of that is if you're not, well, he'll devour you. How many of you have ever had him attack you and get the best of you? Oh, yeah. yeah? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But we live to fight another day, right? God is good. Amen. Because of his power, and the enemy does have power, the Bible acknowledges that. I mean, look, look at all the things through the Bible that he did. And he mimics God. He's a counterfeit. Because of that, it's important that we not dabble. We don't compromise. We don't associate. We don't participate. We don't lean. We don't rationalize. We don't flirt with. We don't give in to. We don't fall for his schemes, his lies, his tricks, no matter how good they seem or how real they are. We don't give in. We stand. We don't lean. That's why I love that so much. Because, see, sometimes we just lean into it a little bit. And we just lean into it a little bit. That compromise just a little bit. It's not going to hurt pastor. Pastor, it's okay if I just give a little bit. And I've seen guys, listen, because of, I've seen this in, in, in mostly in men. They get free. Let's just let's use this one I've seen a lot. They get free from alcohol. They get delivered from alcoholism. Anybody know anybody that's got delivered from alcoholism? And then they feel like they got it. They're good. I can walk in a bar now. It don't bother me one bit. I'll go in there and I'll tell them about Jesus. You can fill in the blanks what other, other, what other addiction it is, but I'm using alcohol because I've heard it too many times. I'm just going to go in there and, and I'll be good and you know I can be a witness for the Lord. And maybe that works for a couple of times. Then the third time, hmm, hey, man, one beer. Oh, you know what? The Bible doesn't say anything about not drinking, sending you to hell. It just says don't get drunk. So I'm just going to have one beer. Some of you, oh, some of you are already getting upset because you like that one, that cold beer. I don't want a cold beer, baby. I've been out, I've been out there mowing. I just give you a cold beer. And then another one, and then another one. How's that 12-pack coming? I've talked to guys that do like 36 in a day. And I was like, are you kidding me? When you just have to stand in the restroom all day? How, what kind of life is that? Yeah. Gee, that's expensive. Yeah. I'll just have that one beer, that one drink. And the one becomes two. Two becomes three. Three becomes four. The next time I talk to them, they're back in full-blown alcoholism. 
destroying their lives, destroying their family. Oh, I've got this covered. Pastor, I've done this for, I'll get clean. I'll get sober. I'll get sober. I'll be okay. Yeah. Quit dabbling. Quit compromising. Isn't God worth it? Isn't what he's done for us worth us at least just obeying him? I think so. Ephesians 6.12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. In other words, if you pinch it and it yells, that's not your enemy. And I'm not going to say pinch your neighbor. That's not. But against principality. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. That's people. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. I mean, Paul's like laying it out for us here. We have an enemy and he's got a hierarchy and he's out to destroy us. That's what he's saying there. He just, he's warning us. He remembers, finally, brethren, finally, brethren, finally, you need to get this. And one of the most difficult things I believe that we have a problem with as Christians is separating the flesh and blood from the spiritual. Anybody agree? You really get mad at that person. You really want to, you know, you want to give it to them. And then the Bible reminds that, 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 uh-uh, that's not the problem. It's what the spirit in them is. It's the, demo- it's the demons in them. That's why we do deliverance. Because it's the demonic. It's the, it's the demonic realm that we allow to come in. And we open this door through disobedience, through unforgiveness, through, through so many other. We, we open doors and the enemy just comes in and brings his friends with him and says, Hey, we're going to have a party. We're going to destroy this guy's life. And when he can destroy one of us, then he'll try to get us to destroy some other lives. Because they'll say, well, if he can't make it, how do I have a chance? How many of you know Christians like that? You know, they were like on fire for the Lord. Come on. And they're on fire for the Lord. They're living for the Lord. Man, you're like, man, that guy's got a testimony. That woman's got a testimony. And then they fall and they fall hard. And all of a sudden, you're like, man, if they couldn't make it, how can I make it? You ever, you ever thought that? Anybody? And that's exactly what the enemy wants you to think. If they could make it, I'm sure you can't. He's a liar. That's what he does. He's really good at it. He's been honing his craft for thousands and thousands of years. So here we go. That word wrestle. And I've got to tell you, every time I see the word wrestle in the Bible, I think of Nacho Libre. I'm sorry. <laughs> it is in the Bible not to wrestle your neighbor. <laughs> that was in there. That's not even biblical. <laughs> but it is. Okay. Some of you go, I've got to see that movie. <laughs> but that word wrestle simply means that there's a battle between good and evil. Uh, one description is like hand-to-hand combat. So many times we wrestle with a person instead of the spirit operating inside of them. And I believe this verse goes beyond that because when I read that, I thought, well, okay, if we're not supposed to wrestle against flesh and blood, I wrestle all the time with my flesh. Hmm, does that make that scripture wrong? I think not. I think when we wrestle with our flesh, we're wrestling with the spirit that's inside of us see when the holy spirit comes in you know what he does alfonso he hit the here i say so so say so so s-o-u-l 
Our soul is mind, will, and emotions, okay? That's what our soul is made up of. The Spirit of God, when you get saved, the Spirit of God comes into your spirit man. And your spirit man then becomes encapsulated by the spirit of the, spirit of the living God. The Spirit of the living God then begins the process of molding and making your soulish realm to look more like the Holy Spirit, more like Jesus than more like the flesh that you used to walk in. Does that make sense? So that's why we call it a process. This thing called salvation is a process. And so when, he, when your mind wanders and the Holy Spirit says, no, no, reel it in. Take that thought captive. The Holy Spirit's speaking, and he's trying to get your soulish realm to line up with the Spirit of God. Amen? So it calls a, So when our, our mind wanders, when, our, uh, when we have a, a, a physical infirmity, uh, the enemy will try to tell you that, that God doesn't love you. And you, you have to, the Spirit of God within you says, no, you are the healed of the Lord. All these things, there's a battle that goes on within us. And so we do wrestle, but we don't wrestle with our flesh so much. We wrestle more with the Spirit of God when, when he's trying to speak one thing. And we say, no, 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 I don't, I, don't, I don't know about that. I don't trust that. And it's mostly because we wrestle because we don't know yet. We, don't have, we haven't arrived. We haven't come to that place of maturity and knowing what the Holy, God, Holy Spirit is speaking to us. We don't understand the Word of God and how it's applied to us. That's why you need discipling. That's why we need to grow in our faith day by day by day. Amen. Out of the mouth of babes. Yeah. There it is again. Hallelujah. That's why when we try to fix ourselves, we fail. How many of you ever try to fix yourselves? I ain't going to do that anymore. I, I ain't going to do I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm sorry about that English. That bad English. I'm not going to do that anymore. I ain't going to say ain't anymore. I just said ain't twice. How many, though, you've, you've done that? You've, you've tried to fix yourself by what you said you could do or what you couldn't do. I'm not going to eat that anymore until next week when it comes on. Stella? Estella? Where's Estella? Where, there she is. She made me, she found out I like a rice pudding or rice custard. Whew. Best rice custard or pudding, whatever you want to call it, I've ever had. She brings me a whole thing of it, like, and I'm not supposed to eat sugar. I'm not. I'm off of sugar. You didn't put sugar in that, did you? Yes, I did. <laughs> and I, my my son said, "Dad, you're a hoarder." I said, "Why? Because you wouldn't let me have any rice pudding." <laughs> so you don't need it. <laughs> and so, this is this is a spiritual issue. <laughs> I mean, I can relate it that way. Because after we finished that whole thing off, and my wife helped me. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> she gave some away, but not much. <laughs> I, I carefully washed that dish, and I brought it to church. Oh, Stella, here, you can have your dish back. Thinking manipulation, if I gave her the dish back, guess what she might do? Make me some more. So the next Wednesday night, they had the women's group, and I said, did Estella bring me some rice custard? They said, nope. <laughs> I was a little bit down, merely prayed with me through it, and <laughs> I forgave Estella. And <laughs> then a week later, women's group meets again. Merely says, guess what? That's what? Estella brought you some more rice custard. <laughs> 
I finished it off this morning. Woo! Man, it's so good. I, I'm telling you, this is, this is relatable because this is how the devil works, you know? And I'm not calling you the devil, Estella. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I'm just saying, you know what I'm saying. I love you and you love Jesus. But, and my wife doesn't even know this. But we, our refrigerator broke, so it's one of those, you know, I'm not even going to tell you the brand not to get it. Uh, but we had to get another refrigerator and put it on our patio while, so we could have food and it wouldn't all spoil and all that. So that Ross Custard, you have to go outside to eat it. <laughs> and so I would go out to the patio when nobody was looking, like God didn't see me either, I know. <laughs> and I would, I would take a spoon with me, open the refrigerator door, take the lid off, and I put it back, smooth it over on the top. <laughs> so nobody would see that, like Mary Lou would see. And, uh, and, I, and I would justify it. Isn't that what we do with sin? I mean, we just open the door a little. I'm just going to have a few bites, and now it's all gone. Sell it's all gone. Snuck, the, snuck it into the sink, cleaned it all, put it in the dishwasher. and So my wife would, wow, how'd that get in there? <laughs> but that's how sin is. If I can get serious for a moment. That's how sin is. And we laugh about it, but we give into it. And then we try to fix it. We try to cover it up. We try to make sure nobody else sees what we're doing in secret. Right? And, he know, and that's how the enemy works. He didn't just come out blatantly and say, Hey, do you want some crack cocaine? He didn't do that to me. He might do it to some of you. But it doesn't mean he says, Hey, you want some rice pudding? <laughs> and I just pray over it. And it's okay. Bless his food to the nourishment of my body. There again, that's what we do with sin. Well, I'm going to learn from this one. You know, after I get through this, I know it's wrong, but I'm going to ask God to forgive me, and I want to be stronger next time. And if we're not armored up, that's how the enemy will get to us. He'll get to you through your mind, through what you see in front of you. He'll, he'll wear you down so that shield of faith is tossed aside, and you pew, pew, pew. Fiery darts get you. And when that happens, all of a sudden, you kick off your shoes of peace because there's no peace. And you replace the belt of truth with a, a belt of half-truths. A, a little bit of a lie here, a little bit of a lie there, and that makes the, the truth all a lie. Destroys us. And if you know this, I've said it a thousand times, you quit taking up your sword, the Word of God, because you know, man, you feel embarrassed. You feel like I'm not worthy to I'm not worthy to even read the Word, and the enemy starts chink, chink, chink at your armory. Get you a little bit there. Get you a little bit there. A little bit more of that, and all of a sudden you're naked, and he has won the battle. You go, what am I doing? What am I doing? But let me tell you some really good news. 
Let me tell you some really good news. And I'm not going to read the scriptures. I'm just going to reference them. If you want to write them down, you can. When it comes to the enemy, the powers, the principalities of the dark, and all those things. Romans 8, 38 tells us that principalities cannot keep us from God's love. They can't. Therefore, there is a limit to their power. The enemy is limited. Ephesians 1, 20 says that Jesus is enthroned in heaven far above all principalities and powers. He's above all that. But listen to them, but the better, even the better news in verse uh, Ephesians 2, 6, and says we are seated with him. So we're above them. We need to start living above them, not below them and letting them crash and steal and rob and kill us. Colossians 1.16 tells us that Jesus created principalities and powers. He created them, and he can destroy them whenever he wants to. Colossians 2 tells, 10 tells us that Jesus is head over all principalities and powers. Therefore, Jesus, he is not the opposite of Satan or principalities. A lot of people want to say, you know, what well, Jesus and the devil, they're, e- they're equal opponents. They are not. If you want to compare anybody to Satan, it would probably be Michael, the archangel. But Jesus is way above that. So don't compare them. Well, it's, it's Jesus. No. Jesus is here. The devil's here. He is actually under my feet. He's under your feet. Until you let him come back. Ephesians 3.10 tells us that the church, may, listen, the church, say the church. Is it after 12? My goodness. Got three more hours to go. Some of y'all getting hungry. I hope you're getting fed right now. Ephesians 3.10 tells us that the church makes known, the church makes known the wisdom of God to principalities and powers. That means today what you're getting is the wisdom of God. It's coming through this church body. Amen. That's, that's good stuff. Uh, we talked to a guy this week. I talked to a, guy, a, a friend, a, a, a guy that's witnessing to a guy. And this guy says, I don't need to go to church. I'm good where I'm at. And so we started talking about what this guy believes. And he believes anything and everything. But he, he says, I know the word. But he said, I'm not sure it's all true. And he said, he dabbles in this and he dabbles in that. He said, I don't need the church. And I said, hmm, okay. If he knows the word, then he, need, he needs to read a lot of scriptures I could give him. We need the church. We need each other. We are a body. Read 1 Corinthians 12. Some of your ears, some of your eyes, some of your nose, some of your feet, some of your hands. We work together. Amen? Amen. We all have diff- a lot of us have different gifts, and God said bring those gifts together so that we can work together to encourage one another. 1 Corinthians 15, 24 tells us that principalities and powers have, have an end. Woo! They're going to stop someday. Amen? One day their purpose will be fulfilled and God will no longer let them work. Therefore, God has a purpose even in allowing them to work today. Did you know he's got the enemy on a short leash? Colossians 2.15 tells us that Jesus disarmed principalities and powers where? At the cross. Oh, come on. He disarmed them at the cross. In other words, they don't have power anymore over us. Only power that they have is what we give them. Therefore, our victory is rooted in what Jesus did on the cross and not what we think we can accomplish in our flesh. So I want to encourage you today. 
that the devil is a defeated foe. He is under our feet. We have authority over him and his demons. And the only power that he has is what we allow him to have. He's been disarmed. So don't, so don't give him back the gun. He's been disarmed. So don't give him back the ammunition. You ever see those, those shows when they, they arrest somebody and they take his weapons from him and you know, they're, trying to, they're trying to get him, uh, you know, get him into the police car or something and they haven't got the handcuffs on him yet? Y'all have seen police shows before. And all of a sudden he reaches over and he grabs the gun from the police officer. You ever seen that? See, that's what we do with the enemy sometimes. He's been disarmed and we just give him back the way. Here, I, I'm just going to be in disobedience. I'm going to be in rebellion. Here, shoot me. <laughs> we invite him to. We think it looks good because we're going to do what we want to do when we want to do it. Okay. Verse 13, Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. How many of you think that we're in the evil day? Yes. To withstand means to set oneself against, to resist, to oppose, to stand against. It's like planting your feet. Plant your feet. Right. Have you had to plant your feet? How many guys in here played football ever? You, have, you remember when they tell you, you down in the stance? Well, you plant your feet. Get ready because he's coming at you. If you're, if you're going to be a guard, if you're going to block for somebody, you've got you to be, you be ready. You've got to be ready. God says for us to plant our feet. Stand. In our convictions, on Christ's solid rock I stand, all other ground is what? Sinking sand. Would y'all stand to your feet this morning? Ministry team, come.